baby is healthy. So God is amazing. And um, uh, we started a series last week. Alan started the series, Battlegrounds. How many enjoyed that opening? Uh, it's amazing. We got an amazing team of preachers here, and I'm telling you, well, I'm so proud of him. I didn't give him all this. I just gave him some scripture, and I watched how on fire he was. I know he sat up all night because when you start talking about the subject of fighting and battlegrounds, and you're talking about Christianity and where we are today, it's amazing that a lot of us don't even know we're in a fight. When we say, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, it's kind of amazing that we forgot that we signed up for a war that's been going on for centuries, and we get surprised when we get attacked. So what I want to do today is, part two is, open up our eyes to see where we really take the beating or take the attack. Because our enemy, Satan, is not that smart, but he knows us and how we were created. And there's one place that he always seems to attack that will stop us from moving. And everyone go like this. Right here. That's where the war is. Um, Joyce Meyer calls it the battlefield of the mind. And what we're going to do is unpack how to engage our thoughts, how to repel that attack on our minds. And what we're going to do is go through 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. If you didn't know, the tagline for our whole series is this. As Christ follows, we're the only ones who fight a war we know we have already... uh, As Christ follows, we're the only ones who fight a war we know has already been won. And that's the tagline for that. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. This is Paul um, defending his ministry because he, he was coming under attack of his ministry. And I love it because he used the military metaphor for it. It says here, For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power, you want to circle that, to destroy strongholds to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and to take every, take every, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Let me pray. Father, I ask in this moment we have that you'll speak to our hearts, which will resonate in our minds. Let us know we do have the mind of Christ and we can repel all things that come against us. And as we talked about this morning and sung about this morning, our God is so much bigger than our circumstances. So, Father, be big in our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I was researching this this passage. There's a story I remember reading about 10 years ago. Watching, I used to go to the circus when I was young. I loved the circus in New York and Bob and Bailey Circus. And there's a story that came out about how they would train um, elephants to keep them tame. And what they would do is the elephant was born as a baby. They would take the elephant, attach its right um, leg, put a chain on it, and put a metal post into the ground. And whenever that elephant, who had the power to pull it out, if whatever wanted to wander, it would actually try to pull away, and it would cut into its, its skin and cause bruises and cause pain. To the point, the elephant just decided it hurts too much. 
I'm done. I'm not going to do it at all. Don't even try. So when an elephant becomes an adult, now how big elephants, they can take out a whole house if they wanted to. They put him there with a chain, and they take a wooden post and put it in the ground. In the wooden post, they would not even try. They can pull it out any time. Even just take going, they wouldn't do anything. They just kept it, stayed right there, and it was open field. But their mind was conditioned to slavery, to being captive. Their mind, their mind they would not, and they say, elephants never forget, their mind remembered the pain of moving forward. So they wouldn't even try. They quit. Sound like us before Christ in our lives. We were slaves to sin. Until Christ was able to release us, we were were powerless to do it on our own. But they would not even, the elephant's mind would not even consider that. Consider moving forward. And I looked at that story, and I'm like, you know, there's a lot of chains in our lives that keep us from moving forward. That the minute we talk about something, about stepping out of our comfort zone and stepping out in the area, a chain that we don't even know about, or we, sense, or we start living like it because the elephant to them, they know the difference. I'm free, but they're not really free. They just couldn't move. They wouldn't move around anymore. Just wouldn't touch, wouldn't even try, wouldn't even think about it. And a lot of us have those chains, chains of the past, chains of hurt. When I try to pull away, it hurts so much. So we enjoy the pain of the same versus the freedom of today. And it gives a limitation in our minds. I do this with folks a lot. When we announced the mission trip a few months ago, everyone, you know, you can tell when people don't, they're not really comfortable going, give me more information. So we give them more information. The first thing they say, I can't do it. And everything's by faith. How many believe everything's by faith? I can't do it. And we, how come you can't do it? Well, I have no time. I don't have any money. I just can't do it. Well, when we got in the room a few months ago, we had no time (laughs) and we had no money. But God had all the time and he had all the money. And you see what happened on the end of that. Paul had to deal with a lot of lies coming his way. He was defending his ministry. Those who are, when you see that chapter... Those are, he had to come against some people who were against his ministry. They were saying that he was two-faced. When he was away, he was bold. When he was in front of them, he was weak. And they were screaming that out in the city, in the, in the uh, city of Corinth. But also, Paul had to deal with something else, because I can imagine it came up in every meeting. You're the guy who's preaching the gospel, but you're the same one that persecuted people for the gospel, who was responsible for people dying from the gospel, and you had to hear that day by day, the tapes, the the replay, the tapes, and still be a missionary. And the lies that come his way, and how he had to deal with that in his mind. And he said, the only way I can deal with it when you look at the scripture is not through the flesh. Cannot say I'm not that and I'm going to have better positive thinking. I need the power of God and the Holy Spirit to help me drain that out, to keep that out. Because he, he was guilty of a lot of things. But one thing, we're all guilty of a lot of things. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, all the guilt and the shame and the sin went on him. And he had to push through the limitations. 
Like we had to push through the limitations of walking with Christ. Push through the limitations of really having a deep relationship with him. Pushing through the limitations of our hurts and, our, and, our, and all our uh, circumstances on a daily basis. And the reason why we deal with that, because the first thing that messes with us in our minds that we're controlled by is a lie. It happened way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. Adam and Eve fell for a lie. Fell for the first, the first line of the Bible. Did God really say this? You know, you can be just like God and knowing good and evil. That was a lie. All of a sudden, they had to turn God from the giver to the taker. And they partook of the fruit. A lie. A lot of us are stuck by a lie. The elephant was stuck by a lie that I can't break this chain. It was impossible. His mind was conditioned to be limited. Jesus talks about the devil, uh, Satan, in John 8, 44. You know what he called him? He called him a murderer. He murders. He says a liar. He says his own character is a liar. He's a father of lies. That's where you all hear that story. Who told you that? Who told you you were worthless? Who told you you will never amount to anything? Who told you that? The father of lies. Some of the, you know, the main thing that affects us again, I said again, is lies. Our thoughts are subject to lies. Here's our takeaway. You know, a lie is not powerful unless it's believable. That's our takeaway. A lie is not powerful unless it is believable. That's the takeaway today. If you don't get anything else, that is it. You know some of the lies that you deal with every day. Someone might have grew up, well, you were growing up, someone says, you know, you're stupid. You know, you're no good. Young ladies today, you know you're ugly. Oh, you'll never amount to anything. In our city, this is all there is. Nothing will change. I can't be forgiven because my past is so wrecked. It's impossible for God to love me. Christianity just doesn't work for me. And that's right here. And that's a lie. That is a lie. And what happens when a lie grows, it becomes a stronghold. And a stronghold is a mindset that holds you hostage. You can walk around as a spiritual or Christian POW. You are a prisoner of war, and you haven't even picked up a weapon yet. Because I defeated you mentally, I will defeat you physically. And Christ died and took all that. It's a mindset that holds you hostage. Question, are you a POW? Do you believe those things that someone said about you? Because, you know, it all changed when you said, Jesus, you're mine. Instantly it changed because it says you're a new creation in Christ. But that doesn't mean our mind changes instantly. And that's a day-to-day fight. Some of you might have done something last night. You're just sitting here feeling guilty. That's why you couldn't worship. 
I had too much to drink or maybe a little too much drugs last night. And so I'll come to church and I'll get cleaned up. And I'll go back out again next week. And you hate living this way. Prisoner wars. Worst prisoner wars, no, you, don't even know, you don't even know you are one. Three ways that we can take our, our thoughts captive. One is to engage the gospel. Second is to engage the Holy Spirit. And the third one is engaged in community. Interesting thing, you know, that today's fight that we're fighting in our world today is over truth. What is the truth? What really is the truth? Everyone has their fashion of truth, but it's a lie. I love what the Bible says. He is the truth and the way and the life. That means the truth, the way, their life. There is no secondaries. But the fight is for the truth. What's real? What's true for you? Bible says this. Well, I can do all that's true for you. That's a lie. And that's how we take every thought captive. The great Sun Tzu's of uh, he's a Chinese general wrote a book, great book called The Art of Warfare. This is what he said. Look at this quote: Victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. Know he's distinguishing there? Those who believe Christ have already won, so they can go fight the war. Those who don't know Christ or have maybe a, a, um, I have a, I'm a fan of Christ, you're already lost trying to win a war. But he's saying your position before you go out is so important. You got to know you win. Before you engage. And here's the thing. If you don't engage, he's going to engage you anyway. (laughs) First one, engage the gospel. How many love good news? How many believe the good news? How many don't feel like it's good news? No hands went up. The truth of the gospel will overcome anything and anyone staying in your way. Romans 1.16 says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power, everyone said the power of God, for salvation to everyone who believes. First to Jews and also to Greek. This is Paul speaking again to a Roman audience. Whenever you read the Bible, I love it, the way it talks about salvation. It's like a shield. Especially, it's called, the word means to be rescued. And sometimes the enemy comes out to you about your past or it's not going to work out today and you don't know what's going on and you slipped up or you really saved. And, you know, when you read about it, it talks about three ways, past, present and future. In the very beginning, when you got Ephesians 2, it says we're saved by grace. It says, I have been saved. That means that's past. I have been saved. And then when you look at 2 Corinthians 2.15, it says I'm being saved today from what? The power of sin. Yesterday, today, and then when you look at Romans 13, 11, it says, I will be saved when the consummation of Christ comes. So I'm covered all three areas, past, present, future. So if you're going to come after me about the past, I'm covered. You want to talk about my present circumstances, I'm definitely covered. And you want to talk about the future, hey, I'm covered. I love that commercial from Allstate. I am in great hands. 
See, when you get a clear picture of who Christ is and what he's done on the cross for you, you know what it means to follow him, not work for him. See, Paul had to deal with the naysayers and those preaching a different gospel. So the only way he was able to defend against that was to preach the true gospel. He had to proclaim it. Have you ever preached the gospel to yourself in your car? God, I'm so glad I'm born again. God, I'm so glad I'm saved from hell. God, I'm so And you're just preaching that and because the devil said, you're not going to make it. not going to happen. This is not going to do. Hey, well, you know, last time I checked, I was, I am, and I will be saved from the power of sin. Sin doesn't control me. It's been wiped clean, wiped out. That's why Jesus died on the cross. It's more than just have saying a, a prayer. Because that's when our lives think like it stops. We go, Jesus, you're mine, and I can do whatever I want. And then you're getting pulverized because you understand, you don't understand what's going on. And this is what he does. He'll put in your mind, this is where the question comes up. Is it once saved, always saved? Do I really have to answer that? Why do you have to ask that question? Are you trying to live on the fringe and barely make it in? Or did it really happen? Once saved, always saved. And, no, you know, and it's impossible to love Jesus and don't like his bride. You know, as people, you know, he's good at that. You blame God because you didn't get your ice cream. Had a pity party last week. <laughs> I didn't get into Mexico. Yeah, well. <laughs> I had my question. God, why me? He said, why not you? <laughs> All right, well, I'm done. I'm gone. And sit down. You destroyed a hostile attacks against you. Here's my, here's my um, pet peeve. I live in Abilene, Texas. I'm from New York City. It's a side of town. I go to, me and Ms. Donald was able to go, to go up to Abilene High, and we went to the college office. And our job was to take kids from high school and put them in the college office and tell them you can go to college. They looked at us like, I don't know, I can go to college. No one told me we can go to college. Why not? Well, it wasn't expected for us to go to college. Because if we go, no one's going to help us go to college or we're not going to make it anyway, so why even try? So I got a bunch of youngins not even trying because they're not getting pushed. To, there's no expectation to go because that's what their mindset. They're in prison. They're elephants stuck. I'm going to stay in the neighborhood. That's all I'm going to I grew up with that. I'm like, guys, let's leave New York. I can't. I can't leave. I can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere. Are you kidding me? You won't leave? No, I might miss something. And then you become a statistic. And then we get angry with them. But the homes are not telling them you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But the expectation is, no, you don't have to go to college. No one's going to help you and go to college. No people are going to hold you down, sir. What, what people are you talking about? I'm on my, I'm on my soapbox. I got to get going. <laughs> Same thing with us when we have the gospel, when we preach the gospel. What are you saying I'm not good enough? What are you saying? That he died for them but not for me. They have privileges I don't. What are you saying? Who said that? Got to fight it every day. I love Hebrews 4.12. It says this. When you, after you got the gospel, you have the word of God, which we walk past every single day. 
says this, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit and joints of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When you look at it, let me give you just a sample of this. It's like a surgeon. When you read the Bible, it's like a surgeon that cuts out the cancer, cuts out the lie. When you hear, you're not going to better make it. I can do all things through Christ. He cuts that lie out. I loved, I had the privilege of spending so many years in the military and had a great job with some secret aircraft I can't talk about, but you already know about it, right? That makes sense. But they were able to, we were able to, um, what we call, I guess it was introduced in Desert Storm about surgical, surgical, ah, surgical strikes. And I was in on that. I'm like, wow, the prisoners are in this side of the building. We can't hit them. Let's hit this side of the building to set them free. So we'll fly over and hit that side of the building and they can get out. Precision. That's what the Bible does. It's precision. It cuts all the lies if you read it. Church is boring. That's a lie. There's no work to do. That is a lie. All I want to do is receive the word and do nothing. That is a lie. That's a lie. My talents are not worth. That's a lie. They're not going to accept me. That's a lie. They're all, I'm offended at every, why are you offended at them? They don't even know you exist anymore. The way the world goes so quick, they forgot what you said or done. It's like a surgical strike. I had the operation in the last few months. Last 15 months, I had two great surgeons. I call them ninjas. <laughs> they were awesome. They said, uh, you got cancer? Living with Dr. Dr. T. I call him Dr. T. He said, man, I can get that. I said, you can get that? Facebook. Come on, we can get that. He got it. One cut. Done. My neck. He said, man, I don't think that's right, but let me check something out. I can get that. Professional surgeons, the best in the world. They're able to cut the problem out that was hindering. The circumstances, they cut it out. That's what the word does. It cuts it out. Cuts it out. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever the lie is. And it also corrects you. Again, when I was in um, San Diego, that's as far as I got. And I called the government and said, where's my passport? Because you told me it'll be here. Um, uh, I don't know what they told you because that's not going to happen. Really? So I said, well, let me talk. I don't want to talk to you. Let me talk to you more supervisor. So they've commenced to put me on hold 20 minutes. So I'm feeling really good now. I'm not feeling holy at the moment. <laughs> and I'm like, the t- okay, now I have been around the world. I have secret clearances bigger than you ever thought about. And you can't give a brother a passport. <laughs> so I'm about to rip because I'm feeling it. I'm outside, and they know I was outside in the turn. They said, where's Pastor Rich going? I'm on the phone. I'm, yeah, I'm about to, ooh, I can't wait to let him have it. And then something came up on me like, oh, you can't do that. It's great for you to say, but let me just, let me repent afterwards. <laughs> and I didn't know what it was. So I had to say to the whole week, thank you, ma'am. 
Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. I know you're trying hard. Thank you, sir. I said, what was that? Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath. I said, God, it was great for you to say it, but I'm here living it. (laughs) Cut me. The pastor, full of faith. That's what he did. The lie was, act like you you got some authority. You have this authority. You're in the right. That's a lie. You kill every witness on that phone. You kill every witness around. There's 104 people watching how you're going to respond. So then they, here's a great thing. Let's Pastor Rich pray for everybody. That was great. <laughs> so I pray for the whole team. Hey, well, have a great day. And I'm going to San Diego. I'm going to L.A. I'm going to do something. Had to hit the line. It's the word of God. Second one is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to close on this because I won't get to the third one. That'll probably be next week. Because it's our weapons. You're going to turn the next two weeks about our weapons, about warfare. Engage the Holy Spirit. Give me that scripture, ma'am. Thank you. God's talking to me now. I'm getting confused a little bit. Well, um, Ephesians six eighteen. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. You said, Pastor Rich, that's talking about praying. If you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, you will become prey. That's why we're taxed so much about praying in the spirit. I also had the other job. My job was fantastic. I had a phone that only certain people can hear. When they called us, no one else knew about it. It's the same way when you pray in the spirit. The devil doesn't know the plans that you have. You, if you start praying and you don't know what to pray, he already knows what you're saying. You pray in the spirit, he has no idea the, the direction that you're hearing. All the instructions that you hear to kick off the assault. Because it will come up when you get to a certain point of faith. You'll, nev- you'll get to a point that you need to step over into something new, and that chain will come up or something will come up and say you can't do it. And I just get to praying in the spirit. And next thing you know, I'm doing it. Reason why a lot of Christians call it weird, because the devil wants you to think it's weird. So you don't use the thing that can destroy him. It's a prayer. And that, you're not just praying for you. You're praying for your brother and sister. You're praying for them. Because guess what? If you're going through it, everyone's going through it. If you're on a team of people, if you're going through it as a leader, everyone's going through it. So you need to pray for other people. Then you forget about praying for yourself. But you don't know what you're saying. But God's put it in your heart to do it. And it's bypassing your own mindset. Praying because you keep alert. What's he doing? 
Is that the devil or is that me? Perseverance. How many love the word perseverance? No one raised their hand. Guess what, guys? That's just part of the warfare. You better learn how to persevere. You can't quit all the time. You can't quit a church when it gets tough. You can't quit in relationships because they don't like what you say. You can't quit. Jesus should have quit a long time ago. How do you like his first sermon? I am Jesus. The Lord appointed me to do all these things. Let's push him off the cliff. You think he didn't have like, okay, well, y'all push me off the cliff, you're done. Perseverance. We got to learn that. Keep alert. In the spirit, not in the natural. Praying for all the saints. The last one is, when you do have to pray for all the saints, you really engage our community. Engage in community. Romans 5. 15. Thank you. Listen to this. How many love endurance? You guys got to stay at McDonald's line. <laughs> May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. Verse 6. That together you may with one voice. Everybody say one voice. Glorify God. And the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. It's powerful when we're together. We're better together. We're more powerful together. The more we know about Christ, which I told you in the first point, know about him and know him, the more we'll get to know about each other and know each other. Period. You can't separate the two. And it says we're all one voice. Like I love about Grace Point. God put Grace Point in this map in 1990 to do something only special that only we can do. One mission to bring the gospel to Abilene, Texas. And he said, I put all these different type of folks together to do happy one voice together. So when we're one together, as you see the Romans fight I'll talk about next week, you can't get inside. The lies can't get inside because when you're with somebody, and they, you say, you know something, Rich, I heard this the other day. They told me I wasn't good enough. Who told you that? Someone needs to be able to come and tell you that. Now, you got to have two types of relationships. One that is faithful. You need, how many don't want some faithful friends? But you need this, especially as pastors. We need faith-filled relationships. So when you're walking at a level of faith, you don't need to meet a mason. You need, okay, let's do this. Let's push beyond that. Faithful friends are great. They, they hug you. You're doing great. But faith-filled friends help you achieve, help you break the chains of your past, break the chains of offense, break the chains of all those lies that's been holding you down. Church is not meant to come one hour a week, hear a couple songs, and that's it. We are the church in the mall. We are the church in our schools. We are the church everywhere. And everyone is capable and, um, and qualified to do it. But the lie says only the pastor can do it. Only the leaders can do it. I can't do it because you don't know my background. Of course Christ did. That's why he died on the cross. One voice is powerful. One mission. Not a whole bunch. One. And you got to get past your mind. It'll be perfect. No, it isn't because it's us. I'm going to find the perfect church. Well, you'll be the only one in the congregation that's perfect. <laughs> and you're going to mess that up. 
We heard in prayer today, we got to stop fighting over the minors. I don't care what the color of the carpet is. I want you to preach this way. I want you to, you know something? I'm, I'm me. That's what you got. And God has a sense of humor. He picked me. Wow. I'm not putting myself down here. I'm just making a realistic point. But I love me. Because Christ loved me. You got to love you. Because Christ loved you. Everybody stand. What chain's holding you down? The lies. Not good enough. Not strong enough. None of us are pretty enough. Don't worry about it. Because you have a body that's wasting away. You young people got it nice. When you get them, mind. Let me keep going. <laughs> what chain is holding you down? What's the change that made you quit? Some of us have a chain that we quit our marriage, quit people, quit our jobs, quit hoping. What made what squashed the hope out of you? It's never going to work. And some of you just dragging this thing around with a broken leg, with a leg just dragging all this weight. What lies are you listening to that you haven't taken the gospel against it? You haven't engaged the Holy Spirit with it. And you haven't gotten community that can keep those lies out. Because let me tell you, we'll end in about two minutes, but by 1230, there's some more lies coming. Every Sunday, I'm glad we get to hang out and relax. I can hear all this. Yeah, no one heard you. Now, will you get out of here because I want to eat something? It's real. Your family lineage is not all that. And we are stuck and we're chained to the past, chained to our sin. Because remember, a lie is not powerful unless it's believable. And I want to believe the gospel and the Holy Spirit. And I still believe in the church. Gosh, I believe in it even more now. They can call us all the names you want, but you cannot stop us. But a lie is not powerful unless it's believable. What lies are you walking under? Let's pray. Father, I thank you again, God.